Beautiful spirit in this place. Beautiful spirit, beautiful worship. Yeah, you know, it made me just think of my own life and the things that I've done, how I failed God. Not once, not twice, not three times. I can go on and on, but Psalms 103 and 10 says he had not dealt with us after our sins. Thank God for not dealing with us after those sins when we felt him over and over and over. We felt him over and over and over the same sin and that sin and we continued to fail him. But yet the Bible says that he has not rewarded us according to our iniquities. And so we thank God. And then it goes on, my favorite verse, it goes on to say that as high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his mercy. Ha! Toshata. Hallelujah. Great, so great is his mercy towards us. We ought to give him praise. This hour, we ought to bless his name. This day. This day. Truly, I thank God. I thank God for his goodness, for his mercy. I thank God for, amen, the man of God. He ministered so well last week, amen, and brought comfort to, I believe, all of our hearts. And we continue to pray for the man of God. We continue to pray for him. I don't take it lightly to stand up here in his stead, amen, but we thank God for him. We know God is moving in the midst of his life. I, I, I thought of a, of, of a scripture, thought of a scripture, amen, I, I believe it's Mark, the fourth chapter, I believe right around verse 38, but the Bible says that uh, the, the, the storm arose, amen, and these men were in the boat, his disciples was in the boat, and Jesus was in the rear of the boat, amen, the Bible says he was sleeping, he, he was sleeping, he, he was getting some rest, but the wind and the waves were blowing. It, it was turmoil going on. And these men, amen, went to wake him up and said, Carest thou that we perish? Carest thou that we perish? And, and Jesus, Jesus spoke. He spoke just three words. Three simple words. He just said, peace, be still. Mm. Don't we need that in our lives today? We, we, we need we need. Peace in the midst of our lives today when all calamity and all hell is breaking loose in our lives. We, we just need God to raise up and say, peace, be still in your situation. Father, we ask you for peace today. Romans, the fourth chapter. That wasn't my message. It was just on my heart. Romans, the fourth chapter, Romans chapter four, verse 17, we'll read, I believe, six verses, five verses here, excuse me. Romans chapter four, I thank God for my wife, y'all. I, I, I know I say it every time, but this woman invited me to church in 1998, I was 17 years old, and she invited me to church. And from that point forward, God began to deal with me. Amen. So I thank God for, amen, my wife. Thank God for my children. I thank God for my family. I thank God for this church family. Amen. It's nothing like having somebody that's for you, that's rooting for you, that's praying for you, that, that has your back, that understands what you're going through. The Bible says, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there has no temptation that have taken you that is not common unto man. So what I've gone through, I know you've gone through. And the Bible says, <laughs> with the temptation, he'll make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Romans 4, 17, when you have it, somebody say, I got it. It says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. 
before him who he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God. Someone say he staggered not. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. I got two more, two more scriptures for you. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Turn quickly. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Amen. One verse there, verse 6. Turn quickly. I'm going to begin without you. Amen. But without faith, it is impossible. Somebody say impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews 12 and 2. Just turn over one page and you're probably there. Hebrews 12 and 2. I really, I really need the, the NLT version if you have it. It says Hebrews 12 and 2. The New Living Translation says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects. Somebody says perfects. Perfects our faith. I want to speak just for a space of time on the topic, the promise, the impossibility, the perfecting. The promise, the impossibility. The perfecting. Set your Bibles down for a second, just for a moment. Just as we pray, let us look unto the Lord. Father, we thank you. Father, before we do anything, we give your name the glory. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Then it says, be thankful. So, Father, we're thankful today. We give you glory. Why? Because we have activity of our limbs. We but in him we live, we move, we have our being. We thank you, Father, because we have blood flowing through our veins. And Father, we ask you to do it another time. Speak to our hearts another time. Encourage us another time. And Father, I ask you that it not be me. Why? Because you said in your presence no flesh should glory. So, Father, I ask for your spirit to move and your spirit to speak. Use this man as you see fit. We ask you all these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. For, for a while now, I, I, I've been stuck on destiny. I've been stuck on purpose, God's purpose, God's plan, God's promise in the midst of our lives. I'll say our lives. But I, I, I've been stuck on it uh, uh, specifically dealing with my life. What, what is God's plan for me? What is God's purpose for me? What is God's promise unto me? When will it come to pass? Where is God leading me? Where, where is God taking me? The, God began to, to, to deal with Jeremiah and declare unto him. He says to him, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before I formed thee, I, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. I, I know we read that scripture a lot, but do we really understand what it means? I, I think we fail to realize that, that 
the sanctification and the ordination did not occur in time. It, it, it didn't occur in time. We, 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 we feel as if God makes decisions about our path or God makes decisions about our lives. Amen. As we go through life, we, we, we feel as if almost as if God is making it up as he goes along. But God told Jeremiah, he told him, before I formed you, I created you. Uh, before I created you, I caused, amen, before I caused the bones, amen, to come together. Before I formed the organs and before the eyeballs were developed and before the hands and the feet, amen, came forth and before the heart began to beat and before the brain, amen, began to have thoughts and to think, he says, I already knew you. Uh, I already knew you, and not only did I already know you, but I've already separated you. Uh, I, I've already ordained you. Uh, I already have a plan and a purpose for your life. So, so what we find, what we find is that the sanctification, what we find is that the ordination did not occur in time, but rather it occurred in eternity. Deacon Reinhardt was all over it in your testimony. You was all over this. But God had a plan. God, God had a path, amen, before he formed us. God had a plan for us even prior to our existence. Think about that. Think, think about that. You, you are so significant to God that before he formed you, he had a plan and purpose for you. He, 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 you are so important to God, you're so significant to God that he uniquely created you for a particular purpose. He, he strategically designed you, amen, to actively operate in your purpose. Uh, before he called you, he already knew you. He, he knew who you were. He knew the difficulties that you would go through. Uh, he he, he knew the, the test and the trials that would come your way. He, he knew, saw, and understood the struggle. He, he saw the foreclosure uh, before you knew about it. He saw it. Before you knew about the bankruptcy, amen, God saw it. He saw the layoff, and he saw the pay cut, and he saw the bills piling up, and he saw the homelessness, and he saw the hopelessness and pain and anguish and heartache and he saw the disease and trials and tribulation all before he formed you but even in knowing all of this he still called you he he still anointed us he he still sanctified us he still ordained us so so we find we find today abraham the Bible begins to talk about Abraham, and we find, if you go to Genesis, we find that Abraham had a calling of God upon his life. Yes, Abraham had a promise from God. There, there was a destiny laid out for him. There was a purpose laid out for him. In Genesis 17, 4, the Bible says, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. And thou shalt be a father of many nations. See, we must understand that, that at this point, Abraham had not had a son. All he had was a promise. He had not had a son with just the exception of Ishmael, the son born of Hagar. Amen. Other than that, he didn't have a son. He, he did not have a seed of promise. God, God revealed this to Abraham at the age of 99. He, he, he revealed this to him at 99. Amen. And, and, and it caused me to wonder why, why didn't God reveal this or do this or work this work in his life in his 20s? Why, why didn't God use him or fulfill that promise in his 30s or 
in his 40s. Why didn't he do it in his prime? But I found out that if God would have fulfilled that promise, it would have been easy to believe. In my 20s or in my 30s, you're going to have a son, amen, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through him. I'm going to have a son, 20s or 30s. Absolutely, God, you're right. I already planned on it. But it, it was revealed to him at the age of 99 years old. At this point, Sarah was the age of 90. She was 90. And after 90 years of barrenness, now at 90, she's going to have a child? Genesis 17, Genesis 17, verse 15, the Bible says, And God said unto Abraham, For Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. In verse 17, then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. See, the the, the promise of God was so improbable that it caused Abraham to laugh. It caused him to laugh. Abraham thought it was comical. He, he thought it was funny. Perhaps he glanced at his own body and perhaps he saw the wrinkles of a 99-year-old man. And perhaps he began to rub his knees and thought about the weak joints of a 99-year-old man. And perhaps he began to touch his back and Think about the weak back or bad back of a 99-year-old man and perhaps he picked up his cane and walked over to the mirror and looked at himself and thought to himself, I'm too old to bear a child. See, but but Abraham looked looked at his natural ability. He, He looked at his natural ability and laughed at the notion that a man his age would bear a son. Not, 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 only, not only did Abraham laugh, but the Bible goes on to say in Genesis 18 and verse 12 that when Sarah heard it, guess what? She laughed. She laughed. She, she, she thought it was funny. Perhaps Sarah considered, amen, the deadness of her own womb. Perhaps Sarah considered the agedness of her body and the agedness of her legs and her hips. Amen. Perhaps she struggled to get out of the bed in the morning just because her hips hurt. And, and perhaps she, she struggled to grab a hold of things because her hands hurt. And, and perhaps on a, on a nightly basis, she, she began to soak her feet. Why? Because her feet hurt. So she laughed. She laughed. She thought it was funny. She thought it was comical. 90 years old and I'm a bear child. See, but what we find, what we find here is ordination that took place in eternity is now, amen, lining up with its fulfillment in time. What God had promised at one point Amen. When years upon years upon years passed by, how many ever felt like that? God promised me. I know God has something for me, but it seems like a year after year, decade after decade, score after score keeps passing by. But I haven't seen the promise. But we see here what, what, what God had predestined in eternity, now it's making its culmination in time. It, it, it's making its culmination in time. The only problem is my, my current state in life, my, my current lot in life doesn't seem conducive to produce the promise. It doesn't. It, it doesn't seem conducive. God, I hear what you're saying, but it, it, it's impossible, Jesus. How does my current 
situation reconcile with my next destination? That, that there seems to be no cohesiveness with what my situation looks like now in the place where God promising to take me. And Abraham, Abraham and Sarah were both dealing with this seemingly conflicting and opposing positions. Uh, God, why'd you wait until 99 years old? Oh, God, why, why'd you wait until 90 years old? My, my wife's womb at this time is all but dead. There, 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 there have been some issues in our lives in which we felt like it would have been easier if God fixed it then. Have you ever been through that? Have you ever been in a situation where it's like, God, my back is against the wall. You had the opportunity three weeks ago, but you didn't do it. The, 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 the environment then was more conducive. The atmosphere was more ripe. My, my situation lined up just right. If, if you would have showed up then, if you would have worked the work then, if, if you would have delivered me then. But... But I've learned in my short, uh, I started to say my many years, amen, but the short years of my life that I walk with God, I've learned that God seems to love to operate in the impossible. Uh, he, he, he seems to operate, amen, when we're uncomfortable. He, he, he seems to operate when we're in a position where we, we can't find a way to get our own way out. But God seems to find joy in this moment. It, it's uncomfortable, God. Why, why, why do you get me here? Why, why do you put me in this? I, I, it it would have been easier a while ago, but yet God seems to enjoy. God seems to like, amen. God seems to find pleasure in operating in the impossible. He, he, he began to, to tell Abraham and Sarah after that Sarah laughed, amen, 18 and 14, Genesis 18, 14. He began to ask the question, is anything too hard for the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He, he began to ask the question. He, he asked the question and perhaps he's asking you the same question today. Is, is there anything too hard for me? Uh, is there anything that I can't overcome? Is, is there a height too high? Is there a depth too deep? Amen. That I can't deliver you. Even, even, even though, even though Abraham was surrounded even though he was surrounded by indications of impossibility, amen, we, we, we seem here to, to have two contrasting views and two, two contrasting ideas, two opposing and conflicting positions. On the one side, we have the promise, amen, but on the other side, we have the impossibility. Father, I know what you told me. I, I, I know what you promised me, but I, I, looking around, I don't understand how you're going to do it. I don't see it, Jesus. Hallelujah. Romans 4, Romans 4, 19. Romans 4, 19. The Bible says, in being not weak in faith... Speaking of Abraham, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Let's read that one more time. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. But verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Ah, Jesus And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. This, this man was a hundred years old, but the Bible says that because of his strong faith, he didn't even consider it. He didn't consider it. The, the scripture almost makes it sound as if it was easy for Abraham. It makes it sound as if 
He was, he was totally sold out. He was totally convinced. It made it sound like as if it was easy, but we understand that initially he did laugh. He, initially he did laugh. And I, I thought about why, why, why would this man, why would this man laugh at this? But, but we have to understand that for all his life, all Abraham's life, all he has known are the things that naturally take place. Uh, hallelujah. We, we understand that this has never taken place before. Perhaps Abraham thought in his mind, is there anybody that was 99 years old, amen, that had a son? And perhaps he racked his brain and thought to himself, I know of nobody. This, all I know are the things that naturally take place. He, he, he understood that, that naturally speaking, 99-year-old men don't have children. He, he understood that naturally speaking, 90-year-old women don't have children. Amen. Naturally speaking, it is impossible for this to take place. So, so I'm, I'm convinced there had to be a war within himself that that natural against the supernatural there had to be a war within himself that that promise amen against the impossibility there had to be a war within himself that plausible against the improbable but somehow abraham mustered up enough faith what caused him to shift his focus from what he's always known that natural and prepositioned it upon the supernatural. Huh, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Bible says, amen, Romans 4.20, he staggered, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong. He, he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And verse 21, and being fully persuaded, mm, have you ever been fully persuaded? Ah, hallelujah. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. He, what God had promised, he, he can do it. He can do it. He's going to do it in my life. It, I, I thought to myself, these are some very definite, some, some very strong, some very unambiguous and absolute words that he uses here. He says that he staggered not, that he was strong in faith. He, he, he was fully persuaded. Not only did he stagger not, but verse 18 says that against hope, he believed in hope. Jesus, Jesus. Uh, hallelujah. Against hope, Romans 4, 18, who against hope believed in hope. Uh, hallelujah. The pulpit commentary states that Abraham was fully aware of the impossibility of him having a son. God told him when he was 75 years old that to, to get out of his country and to go to his father's house, uh, Genesis 12 verse 1 says, Now the Lord hath said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. Verse 2, it says, And I will make thee a great nation. Down to verse 7, the Bible says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. So for almost 25 years after receiving that promise, nothing took place. Uh, nothing happened. Nothing took place. He, 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 he didn't hear anything else. He didn't have a son. So, so I, amen, I've decided within myself that they, de they decided, amen, to take actions upon their own hands and and you know the story Sarah begins to offer up her handmaid unto Abraham and he takes her and weds her and of course he goes into her the Bible said that she conceived see they they knew that God's promise took place God promised me a son he he promised me I was going to have a son but 25 years have passed maybe it's something I'm not doing and so they, they, they took it upon themselves to force the blessing, to force the promise. But, 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 but to, to understand, God said that Ishmael was not the seed of promise. 
But God, that up until now, there has not been a seed, no, no seed, no offspring, no posterity. But, but even in this, Abraham, against hope, believed in hope. Uh, what does that mean? What does that mean? See, see, we must realize that up until this point, his life has been relied upon those things which are natural. That's why they took things in their own hands. Amen. He, he relied upon those things that he knew, the natural. Amen. But, but, but the Bible says in, uh, in Romans 4.18, the amplified classic version, it says, For Abraham, human reason, for hope being gone, he hoped. So, so basically what, what is saying is that naturally speaking, there, there was no reason for him to ever hope to have a son, but rather he decided to disregard that which is natural. And, and he, and to, to, to be in expectation, he decided to disregard the natural, amen, and to embrace the supernatural. And so we see on one side, amen, on one side we, we have that which is natural and on the other side we have that which is supernatural. It's, it's the war, that war, Amen. Between what God is telling me and what I see with my natural eye. It's, it's that fight. It's, it's that struggle. How many have had this? It's that struggle that with two opposing and conflicting positions. It's, it's that toil between that promise, amen, and the impossibility. And, and, and see, that on the other side, on the other side, amen, there was another faith experience for Abraham. So, so we know, amen, after that he staggered not at the promises of God, we know that after he was strong in faith and after he was fully persuaded, amen, and the promise of Isaac's birth was fulfilled, God then instructed him to offer up Isaac as a burnt offering. Father, Father, help me. I, I, I thought I've already went through that test. I thought I've already passed that test. But yet, oh God, you're, you're asking me, amen, that seed of promise that you gave me. You're, you're asking me to slay him. Ah, Jesus, Jesus. Genesis 22, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, Jesus, whom thou lovest. There's some things that we've loved. There's some things that we're passionate about that God is saying, I just want to see how much you love me. Uh, I just want to see if you love that. Amen. Lovest thou me more than these? Hey, feed my sheep. He, 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 he tempts us or he tests us sometimes. He just wants to see what we're going to do. Abraham, Abraham, he, he learned from his last test. He didn't hesitate. He, he didn't hesitate. He began to take up Isaac and he began to gather all the things, amen, to offer him up as a sacrifice. And you know the story that, of course, at the last minute, the angel of the Lord yells out and says, Abraham, Abraham, stop what you're doing, amen. And how there was a ram in the bush and God provided, amen, the sacrifice. But God wanted to see what he would do. He, he wanted to see what he would do. How does what God is telling me right now reconcile with what God has told me? How, how, how does what God is telling me in my current situation reconcile with what God has told me then? See, 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 see. Uh, God told him that Isaac was the promise, but yet, amen, God tells him another time years later to offer him up. 
how does what God is telling me now, God, what God is speaking in my life right now, how does it reconcile with what he already promised me? Uh, uh, it made me think about the Apostle Peter. <laughs> the Apostle Peter, all his life, he, he was a Jew. And, amen, he, he, he knew what was prohibited under the law. And he understood, he knew, and he followed the dietary laws. But in Acts 10, the Bible says that Peter, seeing all the wild beasts and the fowls of the air and creeping thing, God stands up and says unto him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. How, how, how does what God is telling me now reconcile with what God has told me then? All throughout the ages, from Moses to Jesus, God commanded them not to eat unclean beasts. So Peter states, not so, Lord, for I have eaten anything. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And God tells him in Acts 10, 15, what God has cleansed, thou call not thou common. How does what God is telling me now reconcile with what God has told me then? So, so once again, we find, amen, in, in Abraham's story that we find that he's dealing with seemingly conflicting and opposing positions. Abraham, again, hope, amen, against hope, believed in hope. And Abraham, once again, staggered not at the promises of God. And Abraham, once again, was strong in faith. And Abraham, once again, was fully persuaded. All the while, the natural was screaming out loud that this is impossible. All the while, the natural was proclaiming the unfeasibility of it. All the while, the natural was screaming out saying this is unattainable. Uh, Hebrews, Hebrews, amen, describes it on this wise. In Hebrews 11, verse 17, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that Isaac shall thy seed Amen. That in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting, listen, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So, so, so Abraham began to reason within himself. He, he, he began to reason within himself that even though this seems contrary to the promise, I still believe God. I, I, I still, man, I still believe God. I believe him at his word. I'll take him at his word. He that believed that God, he believed that God could raise him up again. Uh, actually, in verse 19, actually in verse 19, amen, it, it implies that in a sense, in a sense, he did receive him back from the dead. Why? Because he was already in the process, amen, of offering him up to God. Not only that, not only that, but some scholars, some scholars have suggested that Abraham got the notion that God would raise Isaac up again from the fact that he had already seen God take something that was dead and resurrected. Uh, you saying what, what, what? Well, I've never read that in the story. I've never read that in the Bible. Where is it at? Amen. What, what, what he had learned previous was that God can take a dead situation and cause it to live. This, the, this was pertaining to the fact that Sarah's womb was dead. Uh, Sarah's womb was dead. She, she was 90 years old. Her, her womb was dead and God, amen, had to strengthen that womb and put life in that womb. Amen. So he had already seen God take something that was dead and make it live. Hallelujah. The Bible says Genesis 18, 11, it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. The Amplified Classic Version says it had ceased to be with Sarah as with young women. She was past the age of childbearing. Amen. By, by this point, she had already gone through menopause is what it's saying. The, the, the blood had ceased from flowing. We, we understand that where there is no blood, there is no life. How many have had some dead situations? How many have had some dead circumstances in their lives where, 
where they needed God to resurrect some things. God, my, my prayer life isn't what it used to be. I need you to resurrect it, God. My, my, my relationship with you, God, is not where it used to be. I need you to resurrect it. My Bible reading and my study time is not where it used to be. I, I need you to resurrect it. My attendance, church attendance, is not what it used to be. I need you to resurrect it, oh God. When, 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 when looked at, when looked at through the natural eye, the situation is laughable. Hey Amen. This is this is why they laughed. It's laughable. It's laughable. When, when, when viewed with a carnal perspective, it was it was impossible. When observed through the lens of the flesh, it was improbable. But but how many of us can witness? can be a witness to the fact that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think and understand what the scripture is saying, exceeding. So what you know abundance to be, God said, I'm going to exceed that. What one translation says, super abundantly. Uh, first time I've heard that word, super abundantly. Another translation says infinitely beyond. Amen. So whatever you can think with your mind, the Bible says he can do so far beyond that. It's beyond your wildest dreams. Somebody ought to give him praise in this house. I marvel at the faith of Abraham. It, it makes so much more sense now he, that he's the father of faith. I marvel at it. How do, we get, how do we get to the point of faith where what we see in the natural doesn't cause us to waver? Ah, I, read, I read Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 and 2, Hebrews 12 and 2, the King James Version says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Uh, I, I like the NIV version, verse 2, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. The pioneer and the perfecter of faith. I like the NIV. Amen. I like the, the King James, but I love the amplified. It says, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus who is the author and perfecter of faith. See, see, looking through our natural eye, all we can see, all we can see is the impossibility. All we can see, hallelujah, all we can see is the challenge. All we can see is the improbability. But, but the scripture says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Amen. If we, if we get rid of the distractions, oh, hallelujah, if we, if we get rid of the diversions, if we, if we get rid of some of that excess, if we get rid of some of those unnecessary things, amen, those things that sway us, those things that get us off course, those things that trip us up, if we can get rid of those things and focus our attention on him, on him who Jesus the author the perfecter of our faith look, look get throw it to the side whatever's distract you that cell phone that 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 television in your home amen that person that individual you sometimes you got to push people out of your lives why because i got to focus on him Listen, I, I, I'm tired of praying for a miracle and not getting results. I, I, I'm tired of it. I, I'm, I'm sick and tired of praying, amen, for healing and not getting results. I'm, I'm tired of praying for deliverance, amen, and not getting results. Praying for a blessing and not getting results. I'm, I'm tired of it. Father, when will our faith on paper match our faith in practice?
I'm sick and tired of not getting results, y'all. I'm done with it. I I, got to see the hand of God move in the midst of my life. uh, I'm tired of asking God for something and not seeing anything. I'm, I'm ready for God to move in my life. We, we must understand that there is a linking. There, there, there's a linking between the faith for a promise. There's a linking between the faith for a miracle. There's a linking between the faith for a blessing and the faith for salvation. I'm going to say that one more time. There, there, there's a correlation. There's a linking between the faith it takes, amen, when you're praying and asking God to move in your life or to deliver you or, 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 or asking God for some money or asking God for a house or for a car. There's, there's a linking between that faith and the faith for salvation. Uh, in the latter part of Romans, the third chapter Amen. The Apostle Paul was making the argument that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Uh, Romans 3.26, the Bible says to declare, I say at this time is righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. He said, where is boasting then? It is excluded by what? By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without deeds of the law. Then, then the apostle Paul, he, he begins to appeal, amen, he appeals to the example laid out by Abraham to further establish his point in Romans, the fourth chapter, verse 21. We've read it and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform in verse 22. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Verse 24, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. So, so because Abraham had faith in God to believe that in spite of his circumstances, God was going to bless him. He had faith in God to believe that in spite of his condition and his situation, amen, what he saw around him, he knew God was going to do what he said he would do. But, but we must understand one thing. We, we, we must understand that, that to have faith means there must be an object of our faith. When, when we believe or have faith for God to kill us or for God to deliver us, we make Jesus that object of our faith. Uh, the pulpit commentary states that it, it points out the difference between hope and faith. It states that faith necessitates an object of faith. And our hope is in an experience based off of our faith. When we believe God to move in our lives, when we believe God to move in our lives, we make Jesus that object of our faith and our hope is in the experience that comes through the faith. So because Abraham made God the object of his faith, it calls him to against hope, believe in hope. He He took the faith that he held in those things which are natural and he repositioned it in those things which are supernatural. Now that his faith is repositioned in God, now he can ignore the hope that came from faith in the natural and believe firmly in the hope that comes from faith in the supernatural. This is what he did, but we must understand faith for salvation is no different. We, we, we still place our faith in Jesus and we put our hope in his salvation. This is why Ephesians, amen, the first chapter reveals to us that the Holy Ghost is the earnest of our inheritance. Uh, until the redemption of the purpose, purchase possession, it is the hope in the experience that God will save us, that God will redeem us. Amen. When he's when he's after he's already put down the down payment, he's going to come back and redeem what he purchased. 
Not only that, not only that, but also in Titus 2 and 13, it says, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there's a linking between the faith that produces a miracle and the faith that produces salvation. Uh, James, the fifth chapter, even James, the fifth chapter seems to link uh, healing with forgiveness of sins. Five, James 5 and 14, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. In verse 15, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. So he's going to be healed. But then he says, if he committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. So I'm sick in my body. I go before the elders of the church. I ask them to pray. They pray over me that I may be healed. And afterwards, they tell me, if you got any sins, they're forgiven, brother. I, I didn't come down here to get my sins forgiven. But, but there's a linking between the, the, amen, the healing faith and faith that's for salvation. There's a connection. There's a connection between the faith it takes to see results and the faith it takes to receive salvation. While there is a connection, this fact has a potential to be very disconcerting. If I'm praying for God to move in my life and I see no results, what does that mean about my salvation? Am I truly saved? Have I truly been justified? Has God truly counted me righteous? Have my sins truly been washed away? But I, I, I keep going back, amen, and find comfort in the fact that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of my faith. He, He's the perfecter of my faith. Not only that, but in John 15, 16, he says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And not only chosen you, but I ordained you. He, he chose us. He called us. He, he ordained us. Even from the foundation of the world, he sanctified us. I, I, I'm getting close to closing. Mark, Mark the ninth chapter. Mark the ninth chapter. Mark chapter 9 and verse 20. The Bible says, and they brought him unto him. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground and wallowing foam and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since uh, this came unto him? This is Jesus speaking to the father. And he says, and he said to him of a child, and oftentimes it had cast him into the fire and into waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, he said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Uh, perhaps some of us have been in the same place as the father of this lunatic who, who came to Jesus with both. He had both an assertion of faith and, and a confession of unbelief. Just as Abraham had, this man had two conflicting and opposing positions. The, the father showed us his faith, in fact, amen, in the fact that, it, that he even came to Jesus. He, 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 maybe he heard of the mighty works that Jesus had done, and maybe he had already heard of, amen, the healings and the miracles that Jesus had performed. And, and, and perhaps this gave him some measure of confidence in Jesus. And some, perhaps this gave him some measure of faith. Even he himself cried out, Lord, I believe. But obviously his faith, his belief was mixed with some measure of doubt. It was, it was mixed with doubt. 
If he had not believed at all, then he, he would have never even come to Jesus. But if he had believed firmly, then he, he would have come with other words or in another spirit. But even after this cry, he exclaims, Lord, I believe. He's still so where he's weak in faith by stating help my unbelief. This, this, this combination of belief, unbelief, amen, is an appropriate representation of the fight uh, between the natural and that supernatural. It's, it's an appropriate representation of the promise versus the impossibility. It's, it's, a, it's a perfect representation of the plausible versus the improbability. This, this man had faith in Christ, but his faith was imperfect. See, see, we must understand that faith that is sure is steadfast. It's unwavering. It's persistent. It's resolute. It's firm. James gave us, amen, a good description of perfect faith. James 1 verse 6, amen, the Bible says, let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Just as James's description of this man with weak faith, so has oftentimes been the depiction of our faith. Sometimes we've not measured up. We've, we've been weak in our faith. We've been weak. We've been weak, but... 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Amen. God says to the Apostle Paul, he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Then he says, my strength shall be made perfect in weakness. Jesus Christ is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He, he, he's perfecting our faith. He's, he's working on us. He's still perfecting me. He, he's still moving me. He's still touching me. He, he's still cleansing me. He's still sanctifying me. We have to get to the point where those natural things don't bother us. The promise, the impossibility, the perfecting. If God made the promise, he sure enough can do it. He, he, he sure enough can do it. Even when doubters are around you, even when you have people that are naysayers around you, when people, amen, disagree with you. Listen, if God said it, it's going to happen. It's going to come to pass. Somebody ought to give him praise for that. In, in my closing, there's, there's, there's a story. There's a story of a little boy Amen. Of a little boy, he's he's at the park and he's sitting on the park bench, and and he's sitting there and he's reading his Bible. He's got his Bible out and he's reading it, and then all of a sudden, he yells out loud, "Hallelujah! God is great." Okay, maybe I didn't say it loud enough. He's sitting on the park bench. He's reading his Bible. Then all of a sudden, he yells out, "Hallelujah! God is great." He yelled it so loud, he yelled it so loud that obviously he forgot where he was and he didn't realize that there were people all around him. And of course, some of these people heard him and there was a man that heard him and this man that heard him, he had just graduated with his doctorate, amen, from a local university and, and, and feeling himself to be very enlightened, he was eager to show his enlightenment. So he, he approached the little boy who he saw sitting reading his Bible and asked him, what was the source of all your joy? The little boy responded, don't you have any idea what God is able to do? He said, I just read God opened up the waves of the Red Sea and led the nation of Israel right through the middle. The enlightened man, the man that just graduated with his doctorate, he Amen. This enlightened man, he began to laugh with a show of pity. He began to laugh with a show of pity. 
And he, he began to open the little boy's eyes up to the realities of this natural world. He, he tells the little boy that all that can all be very easily explained. He, he begins to tell him that modern scholarship has shown that the Red Sea in that area was only 10 inches deep at the time. So it was no problem for the Israelites to wade themselves across. The little boy sat there and he was stumped. He, he, he put his head down in disappointment. So the, the man was contented that he had enlightened this poor, young, naive little boy to the finer points of scientific insight. So the man began to walk away. Immediately after he began to walk away, the little boy began to rejoice and praise God even louder than he did before. The man turned around and he asked, he said, what's the reason of all this jubilation? The little boy said, wow, God is even greater than I thought. Not only did he lead the whole nation of Israel through the Red Sea, but he topped it off by drowning the whole Egyptian army in only 10 inches of water. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there someone here? Is there someone here? Thank you, Jesus. God is able to do what he said he would do. Is there somebody here under the sound of my voice? Perhaps you heard the word and the word found you. Perhaps you have not been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. It's for the remission of your sins. Read it, Acts 2.38. It's for the remission of your sins. Amen. You can come down now. Is there one? Is there one? Is there anyone that have struggled with their faith? I put my hand up. Is there anybody that has struggled with their faith? Listen, saints, I, I'm sick and tired of not getting results. I, I, I'm tired of it. When I pray, I want to see God move. If I can have faith to believe God to fill me with the Holy Ghost, then I can have faith that God can heal me. It's the same faith. It's, it's the same faith. I, I, I want to see God do some mighty things in this place amongst his people. The, the father of the lunatic, he, he was conflicted in himself. He, he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm, there's a fight inside of me. There, there, there's a fight. There's a conflict. There's opposing positions inside of me. God, I, I know I have faith, but there's some doubt mixed in with that. God, help thou my unbelief. Father, I want to get to the point where I stagger not. Huh. I, I, I want to get to a point where I'm fully persuaded. I, I want to get to the point where I'm strong in faith. Hallelujah. Please, please stand with me as we pray, as we begin to pray. Somebody needs to move from God. Somebody needs a healing. Somebody needs a miracle. Somebody needs deliverance. Somebody needs the fetters broken. Somebody needs the chains broken off of their lives. Somebody needs to overcome depression. Somebody needs to overcome heartache. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to overcome today. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we give you glory. We give you glory. We honor you, O oh God. Why? Because you are the author and perfecter of my faith. 
And Father, you see the fight inside of me. You, you see the war inside of me. And, and God, you know I want that spiritual side to overcome that fleshly side. I want the supernatural to overcome the natural on the inside of me. Father, you see it. And I lay it at your feet. I, I lay it at your throne. Oh God, I, I'm ready to see hallelujah the the saints of god healed i'm i'm ready to see the blind eyes open up i'm ready to see the lame walk oh god hallelujah i'm ready to see it jesus Get, give me that faith give me that faith give me the faith give me that faith oh god hallelujah father if there's anything that's not like you hasha oh. first john three and three said every man that have this hope in him purifieth himself. Father, purify me. Lord, if there be anything contrary to your spirit, take it out of us right now. Remove it, oh God, and fill us up with your virtue. Fill us up with your confidence. Ah, uh, Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing that he that hath begun a good work in you shall perform. God, perform this thing in our lives. Work this work in our lives, Jesus. And we'll make sure to give your name all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Somebody give God a hand praise right now. Come on, he's better than that. If you know he's worthy, somebody give God some praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.